Welcome to Ravel, a roundtable show about how faith gets complex with the vast amount of information at our fingertips. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith, and for other people, it's been liberating. Take us, for example. I'm Stephen. I'm Josh. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of the American Christian spectrum, and as some of our beliefs migrate, we still feel like our theology is in process. Theology always has fundamentally been, and will always be, an exploratory dialogue. That alone is proof that faith raveling doesn't have to be a crisis, even if it feels like it. We don't have all the answers, so we want to use this show to model what it can look like to genuinely sort through beliefs in real time. So share a drink with us as we pull on the thread of our own pressing questions. Thanks for listening. Hello, my friends. We're here. Hello. The weather outside is frightful, but we are delightful. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Thank you. Nailed yes. it. It's so good to talk to you guys. Yeah, welcome. Right? Talk Feels with like you forever. guys. To you, with you, at you. It's all of it. It's podcasting. Well, uh, what are you drinking today? I just cracked open a lukewarm bottle of chalky milk, the Dairy Gold Fit shelf stable. That's why it's lukewarm, which is a strange experience because usually milk is like cold, but it's good. It's not bad. And then I'm also drinking a lukewarm LaCroix mm. tangerine. Very nice. Interesting combination. I love that. I don't know if yeah. I do. Chocolate um, milk and just please like make it one after another because I imagine that yeah, would yeah. actually do some curdling. Oh, I absolutely just drank one after another just now. <laughs> yes. Your stomach is active, actively curdling then. <laughs> That's upsetting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Emily, what about you? I have a nice can of Diet Pepsi and before you go hating on me, it was the Literally the first thing I saw when I opened the fridge here at the church. So no hate. Where some in what some world people, do you think hate would come from us over Diet Pepsi? Some people would be like, "Oh, Diet Pepsi that's got so many like cancer, you know, inducing." And I'm like, I get that. Okay, I get that. I'm parched and I needed something. <laughs> first thing I grabbed. So and don't be hating. It is a refreshing beverage. So and it's you know. Is it my first choice? No. Am I going to be hating on it? <laughs> well, it no. sounds like it was because it was the first thing you saw in the fridge. It was the first thing that I saw, but it's not always my first choice. Oh, like fair. my go-to is not a Diet Pepsi, yeah, but I'm yeah, also yeah. not going to be like, oh, Diet Pepsi, F off, you know, it's not me. I am cozied up with a steaming hot mug of Yogi's Egyptian licorice tea Ooh. with a generous dollop of montana local honey uh just trying to get cozy you've been on that one yeah yes he has yeah. mm-hmm. it's been so good for recording an audiobook i gotta tell you it's oh i bet yeah. it works some wonders all these spices and herbs and stuff helping with the throat warming yeah. the throat uh all of our yeah. beverages are different temperatures today that's true how fun is that they are and despite that our drinks were bought this week by our newest patron Scotty. So shout out to Scotty. Thank you so much. Beep, 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 Thanks for supporting. Cheers, my friend. It is my turn to bring an episode. And uh, to be honest, I didn't really let that sink in with me until about three minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> That's the way to do it. Decide what you're going to do after the episode starts. That's my plan every single time. Yeah. So I have 
I'm going to call it kind of a two-parter because normally we do this on the bonus feed that we release to the patrons and maybe this will uh, take a different tone or flavor because this is more out in public. But Emily, I got to tell you, um, Uh (laughs) I've been thinking a lot lately, like in the last few weeks about your definition of what self-care is. Yes. And self-love. Yes. Would you mind resharing that for the for the group? Yes. So I personally do not ascribe to the idea of self-care being a band-aid regiment. I have this understanding of self-care being the idea that you create a lifestyle that you do not want to escape from. And when I frame it in that way, it graciously forces me and allows me to care for myself at all times and to see the joy that is caring for myself in whatever capacity that looks like in that moment. Um, when we start to see self-care as this, oh, I'm at my lowest, I need a pick-me-up, are you really caring for yourself or are you trying to have this kind of quick remedy and not actually change anything to allow yourself to be cared for and to thrive Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so that is that is how i live into the idea of self-care creating a lifestyle that you don't want to escape from yeah yeah that's really good i think you taught me that a couple years ago through this podcast and i think so it's been one of the longest lasting i think beyond us constantly singing the chorus of life giving on this podcast i feel like you framing self-care like that is one of like the biggest impacts we as a group have had like i've heard Hmm. people on the discord and i've gotten dms of people sharing like wow that is a new way of considering what loving the self looks like or what caring Mm -hmm. for the self looks like wow uh so today um i'm bringing a little bit of our bonus episode how is it with your soul energy (gasps) oh But I'm also looking at my notes here and I'm looking at my notes because, again, I forgot it was my episode until moments ago. So (laughs) and I'm looking at my notes and I want to interrogate the idea of exile in the story of Israel, in the story of the Bible, in your own stories, in our own stories, because I'm kind of I've kind of been grappling with the feeling that I've kind of woken up to a life and many circumstances that I do want to escape from. So where do we start when we realize that we're in a place that we feel like we don't belong because it doesn't feel aligned. And that feels like exile to me. Mm. Sure. Yeah. So I guess to, to kind of start, how have you guys connected with the stories and the idea of exile, like growing up in Christianity mm. or in the church. I have to really sit with that for a minute. Yeah. I don't feel like in the American church, it's really part of the story that we learn how to grasp well. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something we return to because at least through my childhood, we've kind of been accustomed to being kind of on the top of the cultural like we're king of the mountain a little bit you know Hmm. i don't remember exactly when i had this conscious thought but 
maybe circa like post-college era and like people talking a lot about Genesis as a metaphor and like that we can have an understanding of Genesis that's like spiritually informing while also not believing in like seven day literal creationism, young earth. Mm -hmm. And for myself, like as someone who grew up young earth creationist, that felt like a revelation. Like, oh, you mean like we can, it's not all or nothing. Like there is some Mm -hmm. sort of like meaning in this, even if this didn't quote actually happen. And at some point along the way, I don't remember when I had the thought of like, well, oh yeah, if Genesis can be metaphor, what if Exodus can also be metaphor? And Mm. I remember thinking about that a lot. And I think in the last couple of years, as someone who hasn't been going to church, I think I've like thought about that story kind of like at a low level consciously in the back of my mind the last couple of years. Mm. And not that the Exodus story is my story, but to your point about exile, I think it's a really interesting idea of like, what does it mean to be exiled? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be exiled from a community? Yeah. Can one person be in exile or is the community in exile? And I also think that that's paired really interestingly with this mindset that I've seen in churches before that can both be explicit and implicit that you should or you do kick people out of churches Hmm. for like whatever it is. And I remember, man, I was just talking to someone the other day about this. I remember being on one side of the church pew, as it were, and watching people either leave voluntarily or like hearing about circumstances where people were forcefully like asked to leave church for some Hmm. reason, Uh, morally wrong or not. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, this can't be the way, like we're supposed to reconcile and this is the opposite of what the church should do. This is unjust and like, Mm -hmm. like totally wanting to call for the opposite of it, (laughs) like calling for inclusion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then like now being on the other side where Steven, I think like you and I are in a similar ish spot when it comes to church, like me now being on the other side of the pew of like not wanting to go to church and having like a very different experience of like, oh, I don't think if people came after me and were like, I want to reconcile you to the church, I don't think I would be super into that mm. actually. <laughs> like not so like, interested. Yeah. So like in some ways there's this, and not that those are the same exact situations, but like I'm reminded of the kind of like in-group, out-groupness that's like really similar in the exile example and the like, I don't go to church or I don't go to that church anymore example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm also not quite sure what to do with that, but it's a really interesting experience. Yeah. Is that where you're going with this about like not going to church or like a, a people in exile from church kind of thing? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that's certainly been part of it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to be totally honest, I have just had like a really shitty week and my mental health mm-hmm. has been so low for mm-hmm. a period that feels like longer than like it's not a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think like interrogating that with my therapist and kind of working through stuff, you know, in my marriage and just like also just sustaining my life around the house and at my job and around my creative projects that normally give me so much juice and so much inspiration Mm -hmm. see that recent episode it all uh 
it all just f- tastes like a flat LaCroix right now. I've caught conscious thoughts like in the last week or so that were actually basically like this would be easier if I had a church or even mm. this would be easier if I believe the way I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels so lonely. Mm. And again, kind of reinvoking Emily's framing of self-care is like, I'm just kind of in a moment, you know, be it because daylight savings has ended and it's the dark times as I call it. I wake up and it's dark and I go to work and it's dark and then I leave work and it's dark. It's like, Mm -hmm. I only see the sun on the weekends or if I intentionally like take a walk in 20 degree weather in Montana winter, you know? So that's certainly part of it. But, uh... Yeah, there's just like a both a weariness and kind of a loneliness in my bones lately and kind of dwelling on exile, especially the way I mean, exile is I have to claim it just as like one of the main themes of the Hebrew Bible. Yeah, it's like part of Israel's identity is that they are the people who get exiled multiple times, Mm -hmm. but that they always have the God to like rescue them, bring them back, redeem them. Your question, Josh, about whether it's individuals who become exiled or if it's communities is an interesting one. I'm kind of tempted to say it's both and. Because mm-hmm. I think of the singular experiences of like the prophets driven out and they're under threat of death, right? And they're, they're alone on mountaintops and listening for the voice of God that they only hear in the whispers, you know? Yeah. But also a whole people group can be carted off to Babylon for centuries. Yeah. So. And I think maybe the word that we attribute the most for an individual experiencing exile would be ostracized. Mm. It seems yeah. I think it I think it fits better for an individual experiencing what is exile, but attributing it as being ostracized. Do you Whereas, think someone can ostracize themselves? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of been dwelling on that question for a while. Yeah, I think so completely. Yeah, especially when you think about, you know, I, I think about children and I think about when children are taught from an early age repeatedly and consistently, they're not good enough. There's something off about you. You're a weirdo and you start to take that on yourself. I believe it is very much possible to then for yourself say, yeah, I I don't fit in. Like I gotta vacate this area of myself mm. or around other people. Like I cannot be this because of these things. And I think I think it's very capable for people to experience that. Absolutely. I mean, like in some ways, I guess to bring it back around to like the church example or the church idea, I feel like I guess I ostracize myself from the church. But also, I'm very convinced that that was uh, a wise move in the interest of psychological and spiritual safety Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, like I think somebody, and I think all the time, I think people decide that they are not welcome anymore or that they don't want to be a part of a group anymore, whether that's religious or employment. And honestly, I think a lot of it's inexplicable, like whether it's self-driven completely or community-driven or both. I think regardless of where it comes from, it happens. And I do think it is possible 
for people to experience liberation from exile, either on an individual level or a community Mm. level. I think about like today, I had a woman who is a member of our church, but she has not been attending church. She's had a lot of spiritual, uh, I'll say spiritual torment in some theological teachings of the United Methodist Church. And she's really struggled with that. So she has not been physically attending church. And I just saw her today because she had to pick up something from me that I did for her. And she was telling me how she's starting to feel like she can welcome herself back into this space. Wow. She felt this urge to leave. Like she, in a way, felt her, herself, and outside forces were pushing her out. And this was years, like, you know, two, almost three years ago. Yeah. And she's now in a place where she feels. Wow. She is working at herself where she is inviting herself back into the space, regardless of what the church is teaching. I see that as being a very powerful tool in self-care, mm. that of itself. And it was a really lovely conversation that I had with her. And I was really like she left. I saw her walking away and going down her street because she lives only like two blocks away. And my heart was just like on fire. Like I just felt this immense feeling of joy and like gratitude in this idea that someone can control in a way their own exile. Like it wasn't an exile where someone in power is taking over and forcing a a minority out. This was an exile on like a spiritual level that she determined she was done with and she liberated herself. And I loved that idea. I I thought Mm. that was very powerful for her Mm. and for her experience. I think the liberation angle is really interesting. To me, what that says is that uh, the solving of an exile or a conflict is not always and not usually returning to the thing that you felt you didn't belong to anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, certainly it could. Like, maybe you could return to a former employer after they fixed their shit. <laughs> or maybe you could return to an old church after they fixed their shit. Like, and not that that's like not a possibility, but I think for most people, it's not the future. Like, I think for most people, their quote-unquote reconciliation is more of a liberation. Yeah. But Stephen, I relate to you uh, Mm. on the like the downward dogness of the soul of it all. (laughs) (laughs) Put that on a bumper Uh, sticker. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, we got to do merch next year. And that's got to be one of our first t shirts. Hell yeah. (laughs) The The downward dogness of the soul. That sounds like a Rob Bellism. Amen. Like that sounds like something he would say. We just rebranded the dark night of the soul. We did. We did. Oh my god! I didn't even. I wasn't even purposely referencing that. That's funny. Right here, you heard it, folks. Whoa, that's good. Wow, the downward. Oh man, dogness. we could do like we could do like faux yoga girly merch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be good. That's good. That's really funny. Um. So anyway, what I was trying to get at is I do relate to that a lot. Like it's a very unique feeling that is not just seasonal depression. Mm-hmm. It's also not just the feeling of loneliness and I got to get on top of my shit. Mm-hmm. It's not just I miss my church. It's like mm. all of those and more. It's like the sum is greater than its parts kind of thing. 
And like, frankly, I've been looking for a job lately. You guys already know this, but since I'm saying this on the main feed, yeah, um, I've been looking for a job lately. And as I've been applying to different jobs uh, and like wanting a fresh change of pace, like I've already like come to the point of like, I think I don't want to stay where I'm at. I think I want to grow mm-hmm. into something new. I'm ready for something else. And as I'm looking for something else, I have come to the realization that I think maybe for the first time, maybe I am not praying for a job. Mm. I think all other times I've been job searching, at the very least, I have been prayerful. Even if it Mm. isn't as straightforward as like, God, I really want this job. Please help me get this job. Or like, bless my applications. Or like, I think sometimes it's been still more like conversational, like talking to God about where I'm at and where where I want to be and what I want to change. And just like making those, like just making those verbal at the very least. And this is the first time, I think, where I'm not doing that and I don't feel compelled to do that, but at the same time, I miss it. And that's a really strange feeling. Wow, that is... So I totally mm, relate to you, Stephen. That names it right there. Wow. Yeah. Ah, what, Josh, what a gift to be seen right now. Uh, truly. Well, you're welcome. You're not alone, my friend, <laughs> unfortunately. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The downward dogness of the soul. Amen. You're welcome. And I think, oh my God, my brain's on fire right now just thinking about this. Like, yes, Jesus. Ap- hold, yes, yes. Applying, Turn her brain on fire. Applying my concept of self care fits even better with what Josh is describing because when Ooh. you when you are creating a lifestyle that you don't want to escape from, you are recognizing the things that you are either actively escaping from or the things that you don't want to escape from and that starts with figuring out where are you at in this moment and how can i care for myself right now Mm. it's not always this has to be rainbows and butterflies crap like i hate that idea of and if it's life-giving for you i'm glad i'm glad for the people who just say oh my self-care is a bubble bath with candles and reading a good book. Good for you. You must have yourself put together and I'm <laughs> fucking jealous. My self-care is waking up in the morning and like <laughs> starting at the basics of like, I'm breathing right now. This is great. I'm taking care of myself by starting to live right here in this moment and like making my bed. I am caring for myself by doing something that engages my brain to say, this is a task that's going to set the pace for the day. And everything I do after that is self-care. And sometimes when you're at your lowest of lows, you have to look at what's before you and say, how am I caring for myself right now? Is it bawling my eyes out until I can't feel my brain? Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like You have to look at where you're starting from and see what it is that you want to sustain in order to thrive and not just survive in this world. And when people are experiencing exile, they're in their lowest of lows, whatever that looks like. And it can't be someone else dictating what freedom or liberation or self-care is going to look like. It has to be determined by them. We just want to say how honored we are that you listen to Ravel. Seriously, there's a lot of great shows out there, and we're grateful to be in your feed. Thank you for helping us on our journey to normalize people asking questions about theology. 
If you want to support what we're doing, the best way to help is to tell a friend about us. We want to be a resource for people on their faith journeys, whether they're deconstructing, reconstructing, switching churches, deconverting, and everything in between. And if you're able, you can support us for as little as $3 a month on our Patreon. Supporting us helps us cover fees, software, equipment, future ideas, and more. For all of you church finance skeptics out there like me, don't worry, we're keeping an open book for transparency. For our supporters, we've built an online space where we can be together. We know it can be difficult to ask questions about our faith, so we want to make that more accessible, comfortable, and normal. We're using an app called Discord, where you'll get private access. You already know us, and we'd love to get to know you. Thank you to everyone who's already supporting, and thank you to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music, In Full Color. Do you think the Israelites kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit by trying to recapture some of the old fire or the old glory by trying to rebuild the temple? Hmm. I see it as a tendency to return to what we know. Yeah. I don't know if there's a formal name for that bias, but like you even see that in the exile story of some of the Israelites wanting to return to captivity, which like that's, that's why they fashion the golden calves, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it's a really easy thing to call it Stockholm syndrome, even though that's not the definition of Stockholm syndrome. But I think people are recognizing the same phenomenon where like you want to return to something that was comfortable, something that you knew, something that was predictable. And I think it's absolutely the same phenomenon, whether it's, Stockholm Syndrome, building the golden calf, building a temple. Yeah. Like, I, I just think about the, yeah. the tone of, you know, those like post-exilic books of like Nehemiah, Ezra, especially. Like, Nehemiah is the story of, oh, the king of Persia has given us permission to return. And that brings so many feelings of of joy and excitement and then they spend all this time and energy and Nehemiah is this great leader who helps like re-erect the walls of the temple and like set it up again mm. but then like the vibe of Ezra is like kind of a want want like it's not <laughs> what we thought it would be it's like you know I, I I don't know if it's like the second temple was kind of the the limp of Israel after wrestling with God or mm. the scar tissue or something like that. Like Ooh, it, I like that imagery. It in some yeah. way was just like a it didn't hit like they thought it would. And I, I almost wonder if like that story is helping us show like yeah, even if it feels like it's right to go back to the way things used to be, I'm sorry, but you just can't, you know? Mm-hmm consider a new thing i feel like it's worth mentioning too that like in the context of exodus the story of exile is them after they were freed yeah and so like i think we tend to think of things in reading the bible as exile being like the bad thing but actually it was the escape from the bad thing but that escape in itself was also uncomfortable and tumultuous Mm -hmm. still whoa holy shit josh you're so right you know? Wow. <laughs> and like like to to like 
the general theme of what we're talking about in regards to like you and I don't go to, we don't want to go to church right now. We are not the people who want to return. And yet life is not easy. And I think that that's a really good critique against the critique <laughs> that mm. people want to leave church because they are lazy, because they want to sin, because they want to mm-hmm. uh like not invest in community. But in my opinion, it's the exact opposite. It's because we want that, it so much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or like we we are choosing some people are choosing exile over going back to what was captivity for them. Amen. And like Emily, I loved Holy your point shit. about like that woman fine. Yeah, you're welcome. Sorry. I I guess I'm the new Rob Bell. <laughs> Excuse yeah. me. Um <laughs> RBJ, Rob Bell Jr. RBJ. <laughs> That's so funny. But no, Emily, I really loved your example of like the woman returning and like finding like a healthy relationship. And like mm-hmm. certainly, I think that's beautiful. And like that's that certainly sounds liberating for her too. And I think that that's the difficulty of it is that like there's so many divergent paths. Like some people will mm. find their way back. And of course, the communities of people who never left are going to uphold that as the perfect solution. But then like for every one person like that, there's got to be at least two or three people not like that who will never return. Right. And like those people, I guess like mm, I've mixed thoughts about using this analogy because on one hand it seems very transposable. Like I think that the, like if we're talking about exile as metaphor, I think it works for the like leaving church situation. Mm. But I think it's worth at least acknowledging that like that story historical or not is not our story. Like that's the story of the Jewish people. Amen. Right? So mm-hmm. like I think it well, I think we can only go so far with the parallels of like well maybe I'm in a I mean Stephen I liked your point about like the second temple and like some of the like ebbs and flows of the Jews in exile. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, like, that's obviously a story, but like, I feel like the, the parallels are, can only go so far to our own lived experience of either our personal story or like leaving church at, at large or mm. like at a certain point, it's going to stop being similar. Can I ask you a question, Stephen? Yeah. How do you feel like you're caring for yourself right now? <sighs> that stole my breath for a second. Um. I'm kind of embarrassed that there's nothing like leaping to mind. Don't be embarrassed. I think like, you remember when uh, like the throes of 2020 and we were being encouraged to take our, our stupid little pin like pandemic walks, like go take a walk, (laughs) you know, (laughs) honestly, I've been walking a lot. Um, I've discovered Mm -hmm. a lot of cool state land just near where I live. It's like a five minute drive away. I can take the dogs up there, let them run around off leash. They get like hundreds of feet away from me, just like chasing gophers and exploring. And I've just been like walking trails a lot. Mm. And a lot of it sometimes feels like begrudging. Like it feels like, (laughs) oh, to quote our friend Bilbo, I feel lately that I'm just butter spread over too much bread. Mm -hmm. And like what gets me to the walk is that the dogs need exercise and that just feels like another demand that's on me. But then I'm there and then they're doing what they're doing 
and I kind of realize that it's also for me, you know, I think a lot of things are that way lately. Yeah. Like, kind of like my experience at work kind of feels pretty similar. It's like, there's a lot of demands on my time. There's a lot of tasks to do feeling like I'm pulled in a bunch of different directions. And then I realize like three hours have passed because I've actually been in like into like the drawing I'm making or, you know, the spreadsheet Mm. I'm filling out or whatever. So I think some of that is like, it's like how I'm caring for myself is like having to bring literal reminders of like sticky notes on my mirror of like, Mm -hmm. you do enjoy the things you're doing, you know, but right now it just doesn't, it's not, it's not like my first reaction to be like, oh, I love taking a long walk Mm -hmm. because I do, but it all just feels demanding right now. So I think when, I guess I'll say, I'll say that like when I'm extra mindful lately about how I'm caring for myself, it's when I say, no, I'm going to demand for myself that I get to take a nap or just like purely do nothing for anyone else and just do it for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I may, there's a little bit of low hanging fruit here. Oh, please. Gosh. I think Plug you are it. participating in self care wise. Uh, you are showing up for this consistently. Yeah. Not that you would never have or have ever stopped, but like I think consistency is a very underrated component of the definition of Emily's version or like definition of self care is that like part of it's about consistency. Like mm-hmm. if you're like creating mm-hmm. something that you don't want to escape from, then like if you're doing them repeatedly, then you mm-hmm. want them. Yeah, I like that. So I think I think doing this is self care, according Absolutely. to Emily's definition. It's also one of those things where it's like I don't want to uh be so like it's a really weird thing to experience I guess what I'll de- what I'll claim is depression. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I've been describing. At least I like um, some form of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, and that's not diagnosed by a therapist or psychiatrist or anything. Well, but you can be depressive. Yeah, correct. Like depressive yeah. is yeah. the adjective. So yeah. Totally so it's, fine. it's really weird, man, this is going to get me back into all the episodes we've done in the past about like how fucking weird it is that we metacognate, but like, it's weird to be <laughs> like, it's weird that my bones are like steeped in some sort of depressive episode and to feel that fully in the experience and also have a mind that says, yeah, but we know that that's uh, mostly a lie, right? Like (laughs) there might be some Mm. truth in it, but we know that you enjoy making podcasts and we know that you enjoy designing mugs for the Ravel merch store. We know you enjoy that. My mind is like in that mode. And yet the like felt experience in my body is just like nothing has flavor right now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think part of it is like creative ebb and flow. And then other times I think for myself, maybe it is a little bit of like seasonality. Mm-hmm. And then other times I do think about it more spiritually, like kind of like your point about exile. But honestly, I've like tended to not. And I'm, I'm curious for you if using the like, framework of exile if it feels spiritual to you mm. because it's like relating it back to a bible story yeah maybe and or if it feels too spiritual to you <laughs> well i i think the the word leapt out to me on my notes at the beginning of this episode when i was 
kind of choosing how to guide this because it's been something I've been thinking about ever since, you know, episode 141, I announced, you know, I'm putting myself in exile. You know, I, Stephen I, has left the building. I don't belong here as the prophet John Switchfoot said. Um, <laughs> sorry, that was a beautiful letdown quote. Uh, is his last name Switchfoot? No, of course it's not. It's oh. John Foreman. But the- <laughs> that, yep, of course it is. I forgot about that. Yep, John Switchfoot. You know how you call him? <laughs> uh, I, like that's when that entered my notes. Was this idea of exile being? Oh wow, I I don't feel like I belong here anymore. And maybe I mean that that even itself could be a projection of like I'm putting the not belongingness in the mouths of the people that or like who to me represent the thing to which I don't belong anymore. Um and if I just asked them outright they would they would might have a different answer for me, but I think maybe in a way it does feel spiritual, but I don't you know what what this isn't bringing up in me is like Man, I used to feel a different kind of security when what I felt anchored to was like Jesus. And now that I don't have that, well, damn, maybe I got that wrong. And you know what it's not bringing up, thankfully, thank you, therapy, is I'm not spiraling into questions about what if I have this wrong and what if I'm going to hell because of it. Mm. Your question about whether it feels spiritual, I guess it feels spiritual in a sense of it feels all encompassing. Mm. I'm learning about myself lately that I'm not very good at like compartmentalizing the way people say a lot of men are good at compartmentalizing and it's all related and it's all part of it. And I think that, you know, whatever the source is, you know, the watercolors have kind of bled over the lines. It's kind of like what you said about how it's not just this. It's not just A, B, or C, but it's somehow like a sum of A, B, and C is still something different than the sum of those parts, I guess. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And in that way, I guess if I'm framing spiritual that way, sure, this feels spiritual. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of ways we could uh, read the Bible to get the answer we want, but in times of exile or times of what feels like transition to a new place you know kind of the image i got of like exile is like exile are the dark clouds that you fly through when you take off from seattle going somewhere else (laughs) and then eventually the clouds break and then the sun is like in full view you know and the exile was the clouds that you just went through turbulent for sure but brought you a new vantage point at the end of it What do you think are ways that people have or that you would harness the experience of exile for fruitful outcomes? Wait, say that again? Is there a way to kind of, I don't want to say engineer. Get through it? Get through it and let it teach you what it's meant to teach you. I think like the argument in the Bible that I would make is that each exile of the Israelites was meant to teach them something about their identity as a people. So, like, whether a community is going through exile or, in my case, an individual, um, how do you squeeze the lemon and make lemonade? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'm struggling with, like, wording that properly. 
Emily, what do you got? I feel like I have an answer brewing, but I need more time to think. I feel like there almost has to be this complete awareness of what is transpiring. And sometimes we don't know what that lesson is until it's come and gone. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's the best answer. I don't even know mm. if that answers your question. But I mean, I, I, I sometimes it's just really hard to know when we're caught up in emotion, when we're hearing outside influences. And I think there's just a lot of factors to consider. Not saying it's not possible, but I just don't know what exactly that would look like. And maybe, like I said, you really don't know until it's come and gone. Mm. I also think that I hear your point about like, how do we squeeze the lemons? I like that a lot, actually. I think that there is, I don't know exactly how to label it, but I think that it's short-sighted to think that there's always going to be a point. Like, sometimes Mm. you just go through it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, like suffering doesn't have a lesson to teach you, you know? Unless you want there to be. (laughs) Yeah, I think we want there to be. But to your point, I think that like, like you can squeeze lemons too. Like also, I don't know if you use the word turbulent or not, but I thought of plain turbulence and I'm about Mm. to use, man, I'm feeling preachy tonight, Emily. Amen, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm about to preach. Get after it. Guess. Do it. Guess how many people were seriously injured, not even died. Guess how many people were seriously injured Due to turbulence on planes from 2009 to 2021, this number is based off of FAA data. So over the course of over 10 years, how many people were seriously injured due to turbulence? Millions of people fly every year. I'm going to claim- At least millions. Less than a thousand. Okay. Steven has- He has 999. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Price is right rules. <laughs> I'm on the I'm on the other end. I'm going to say okay. 10,001. Whoa. Wow. Okay. 30 passengers and 116 crew members were injured <gasps> between 2009 and 2021. Like 150 people. A Dunbar's number yes. of people. Oh. A Dunbar's number of people out of the millions that fly God. every year. That is That's crazy. Pennies on the millions of dollars. <laughs> that is almost nothing and like i found i'll I'll put a link to that article so that people can go look at that if they want to fact check but that's cool um, i just googled really quickly while you were talking like about is turbulence actually safe because i was like i feel like i've heard that but i should fact check that before i just say that on a podcast (laughs) but it turns out actually yes it is documented the turbulence is very safe relatively speaking planes are built to withstand it and the the scariness of turbulence is not actually shaking the plane as much as you think it is. It's a lot of it is perception. And even if it is moving the plane, the plane is built to keep flying. What a classic pastor example. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. What a classic you're preacher move. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so to use your example about the plane taking off from Seattle, sometimes there is turbulence. But you know what? Wow. Not- <laughs> 999,900 times you may get through that turbulence just fine. Wow. And that's not to downplay the people that like are suffering too. Cause I, I think we should acknowledge that like, there's not always a point. There's not a lesson to be learned from everything, but you can squeeze the lemons. You do get through the turbulence. And I think when 
the times are tough to answer Emily's question. I think that I tend to like grasp onto the things that I do like to do. Mm -hmm. Even if those things that I like to do are different for different seasons. Some seasons it's yeah drinking tea in a chair while it's raining outside. Some seasons it's getting outside every single day that I can. And I think at different periods of our life, that's just always going to change whether we are quote unquote in exile, whether we are quote unquote not in exile, whether we completely don't want to ascribe to that metaphor at all. And we don't want to spiritualize it. We just want to say we're in a funk and we're depressive and we don't want to go to church. Mm. Yeah, we're going to go through it, but also it's going to change. That's the word I got. That's good. The word of the Lord. Wow. Thanks be to God. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I uh... Also, it's a year. It's a weird year. Can we just acknowledge that? Fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird year. <laughs> I don't know if we're never not going to have a weird year because it's been a weird last couple of years. Yeah. But it's a weird year. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, I know things are going to keep changing, but we should probably end the episode. Stick with some consistent, you know. Yeah. Do what we always do. How do you want to land the plane? Ooh, nice. I'm not a pilot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think ahead on that one. <laughs> I don't have my pilot's license. Um, e- But if there's one thing that I do know about flying is that... It's inevitable that you're going to reach a destination. It may not be the one you were intending. Sometimes you get on the wrong plane. Sometimes you have to take a detour. And things do come to an end. But with self-care and exile and liberation and this idea of changing ourselves or our faith or our identities or our lives, we're not meant to do it alone. And if there's anything more isolating than feeling alone, knowing that we are here for you can be even the smallest amount of comfort. Self-care is creating a life that you do not want to escape from. And we are all here on the journey with you. Okay, wait, wait. I'm, I'm going to merge the two metaphors. <laughs> Bear with me. God. There's more. Leaving church is like the show Lost. <laughs> Was that it? That's it. <laughs> We're on a plane. We crash. We're in exile. <laughs> That's it. We are so lost. And we just got to deal with it now. Great. We just got to deal. We wake up one day. There's polar bears. There's a hatch. We don't know what that is. God didn't tell me this was going to be here. I got on a plane. Wow. Getting lost, I do think, is a classic human story. Actually. Isn't it? Like, I think that's the story at the heart of humanity. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Hmm. There you go. Okay. I'm going to write some things down now. Bye. Okay. Oh, bye.